This is Corn Stars, part of the Herpetoculture Network, with your hosts Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics and Chris Painshap of Badlands Herpetoculture. Enjoy. caffeine and the uh, nicotine and my my medicine to kick in mm-hmm. so I can get back to zero you know yeah absolutely in the day it's just been crawling back to zero it's all about fighting for that dopamine you know what I mean oh they've now changed it so that it doesn't say live at the top anymore it says recording when we were recording Interesting. finally been waiting on that for a very long time. Huh. Yeah, because that's it is, it's actually it always says live, and I'm like telling people we're not yeah. doing it live. It just says says live, but it's fixed now, so it's all or good. What if it says something different if you actually go live? Probably, I'd imagine. Interesting. But then, but, will you uh, always be wondering if it's recording? It's always recording. Ah, okay. Even if it's live, it's recorded because I can download it after the fact. Ah, so that's how I upload, like pull the audio after snakes and stogies and stuff. But well, there you go. Here we are. It's episode twenty of Corn Stars. Twenty plus hours of listening to Chris and I ramble. Longer than that, actually. It's been like a full yeah. twenty-four hours straight of of listening to Chris ramble. But here we are. This episode is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, use the code THN to check out on Blackbox's website when you go to check out and uh, get yourself a little bit of a discount on any rack or cage that you end up ordering. Uh, really good products. I think Chris is going to be getting him some soon. I am. I am. Uh, I've been doing some measuring in the room, kind of trying to decide what, what we have a uh, space for. And I, I, think, I think we're going to be getting a rack. And possibly a, a, a cage. I haven't really decided. Uh, I'm also working a working on possibly bringing in a, a, a six pack of uh, ARS uh, FB20s or F, FB90s. Sorry, FB90s. I think oh. maybe. Uh, we're see. We're, we're definitely making some changes over the next uh, probably two weeks. So that's exciting. What rack are you going to go with? As far as the black box stuff goes, the the perfect one for me is going to be the X. T twenty the 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 uh, one with uh, fifteen thirty five yeah V thirty five S's yeah uh, so for me that's gonna be and I'm get that dual zone baby you know what I mean get that yeah. dual zone uh, so I'm gonna do uh, leopard gecko hatchlings on the bottom because I can hit them at ninety and then at the top I'm not even gonna turn the the heat on mm-hmm. uh, and I'll probably put female uh, Leonis and stuff above that so that you'll they'll kind of hit that like eighty to eighty two degrees probably yeah uh, with no heat on them and, and you know vibe it out so pretty uh pretty i'm actually extremely excited to, to get some of their products in you know my whole room is uh uh sea serpents and and, and and i do stand by their product too but i'm excited for somebody that we've been that's been supporting the show and been such a such a powerful movement in this hobby with such quality products to be able to get my hands on them and, and really uh really enjoy them yeah you won't be disappointed by it man that uh because that's what i've got a good chunk of the collection in right now as far as younger stuff is I've got yeah. an XR16 and XR20, uh, which is basically the same rack. They're just 
two levels, two levels on separate. The, yeah, on the twenty. So, um, it's great. I think it's the fact that you can use three different size tubs and sort of upgrade as you go without having to buy an entirely new rack is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I feel like that kind of gets overlooked a lot. You know, that's instead of having to buy an entirely new rack as your snakes grow out of that one, you know, you just up the tubs until they're to the point to where they do need to be moved into, you know, a V70 or something similar. So, uh, but you know, if you're not into racks and you want cages, they've got plenty of options there. You won't be God, the options either. <laughs> yeah, so much man. stuff. It's crazy. Uh, having their cages as well, fully stand by them as, as you know, just as much as the racks, you won't be disappointed with them. Um, they look good. They hold temperatures and everything perfectly. They're zero issues. So that uh, that BioG is probably one of my favorite size cages because it's been extremely versatile in terms of what I can keep in them. And the size is, is just right to where it's not too big for smaller stuff. It's not too small for, you know, small adult, sub-adult stuff. Like I have some... Uh, one of the adult rhinos is in one right now, and he does great in it. Um, and then the Persinum is in the, the model that's basically two of those put together, uh, which is the XA Bio 3. And it looks it looks snazzy. It looks good. So. Yeah. Um, but that's, when you're... The, the Bio G is 18 by 1824? <coughs> yes. I think it is, yeah. I believe so. No, size. it's got to be bigger than that. It might, I think it may be bigger than that. That it might be the 24, 24, 24, 24. No. Off the top I, of my head, it, it, anyways, we'll have to look it it's up. It's like yeah. a 24, 18, 24 or something along That's those lines. That's right. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's an awesome size. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, they stack nicely. They look good. And then I got the – it has the, the deeper front so that you can have, you know, bioactive, you have substrate layers and all that stuff, which I don't. I just like having that that bigger barrier for to give the animals a little bit more of a hiding area, but more of a visual barrier from everything going on outside. So uh, once you get a rack or you get a cage and then you need something to put in it, you need to head over to silenthillreptiles.com and you need to see all of the corns that JT did not intend to produce this year, <laughs> but managed to make happen. So I laugh every time. Yeah, dude, dude killed it on his ear off. <laughs> he's uh he's got some awesome stuff i've got some of it and I, I know chris has some of it um every animal i've got from him was rock solid you know has been completely issue free oh yeah so go check out what they've got going on on uh silenthillreptiles.com and then you need to head over to fullviesapparel.com get yourself a shirt you like this. chris don't look, look like a baby. bum you know i don't know yeah. how to do it Mirrors freak me out. Yeah. Don't, don't play with yourself. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> don't be getting excited. Uh, also, use the code THN at checkout and, and get 15% off. That's just for THN listeners and viewers like you. A little special discount code just for the, the people that, that listen. High quality shirts, man. It's, it's kind of my go-to. I've got all different colors from you and, and loving it. Everybody needs to get on, on the bandwagon because it's awesome. I get tons of questions about them, too. Uh, Do you really? Yeah, I was wearing the uh, Brevis shirt uh, last week at the, the mall with my kid, of all things, and somebody was like, hey, man, what, what what's up with that shirt? And I was like, oh, it's a reptile brand, and they do, you know, kind of sit there like, man, I just like it's a Texas shirt, and they were like, oh, I'm going to check it out. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
New Cornstar shirts are up. Yeah, I need so, to get some from you. I keep forgetting. I know. I know. I'm gonna send you send you one or two of them. I'm gonna get around to it. Yeah, it's been uh, work's been been crazy. Been trying to get out from under some some larger orders, and as soon as I do that, more show up, which isn't a bad problem to have. But it does make things hectic when you have to sprinkle in smaller orders. Um, not only a Fulvia stuff, but but other people's orders too. You know, it's it's a lot of juggling. But uh, if you go to FulviusApparel.com, new Cornstar shirts are up there. It's kind of weird because I, I went one route. Like, I was originally going to go one route with that design. And then as I, as I was working on it, it just kind of completely went different directions. And I'm happy with it. I, I think it's pretty cool. So, Dude, it's, it's an awesome shirt. Uh, I've got a couple friends that I know are going to want to get some, too. Uh, it's, it's just a fun design. <clears throat> Another good one. Yeah, and I tried to get our overlay here with the new like text and stuff, but I didn't think about the fact that uh, it's not showing like the background, so you can't see the corn stars. I mean, you can if I take my very pale hand and yeah. arm right there. That was like me struggling when you sent now. me the logo. I was like, I do not understand how this works. What's a computer? What is a computer? Oh. But uh, other than that, what's get into updates quick real quick i am still hatching snakes <laughs> i cannot stop i just had another clutch the the dual clutch or, 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 or double clutch of conjuncta hatch uh it was five eggs one didn't make it out uh three females one male so that or sorry three males one female uh so that complicates things a lot of males this year a lot of females last year uh i've got a still my clutch of everglades rats uh going I've got two Lichianus eggs and probably another two on the way. She's been digging and uh, two, uh, two, yeah, two leopard gecko eggs, two Lichianus eggs left. And that's, God, I hope that's it. I hope that's it for the season. I don't want to see another baby animal. I just straight to feeding it to a king snake. Uh, I feel like you say that every year, though. Like you get to the end of the season, you're like, make it stop. Yeah. And it's, Turn it uh, off. I My last two corn snakes that didn't eat ate on. Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, I think it was. Um, I've got one, two, three, four, five. Six. I've got six alterna, five alterna, and one Leonis left to eat. And one of the two Eastern king snakes I picked up has still not eaten. And that's all right; they're still big and healthy looking. And then I'll have all my non feeders done, and I have little tags on each of my, <coughs> excuse me, my Mexicana, as to what they're eating. The you know the. Alterna boiled with this scent or gecko skin or this or that. So that's a, all the leopards are getting big. I've got stuff that I'm going to be able to start putting to market soon. This weekend, I'm going to take pictures of all my corn snakes because I've got, I think, 18, 12, 18, probably 18 or 20 left. And I'm down to only uh, 13 holdbacks. And uh, and I'm, pride. <laughs> that's well i was i you know last year i had so many so this year i've only got 13 and i'm probably gonna whittle a couple of those down uh yeah man it, it, what, a, what, a, what a lot to a season i've still got stuff just like in random tubs uh just like out because they didn't fit in all my racks and, uh but feeling really good about it uh this was this was a complex season there was a lot of things that happened during it there was a lot of animals a lot of new stuff for me uh but i've been able to ship stuff out i put a lot of cool stuff in a lot of good friends hands uh so yeah it's it's been good what about what about you i do, dude them rhinos baby what's up 
Um, nothing really new there. Each of them ate a, a rosy red. Uh, I'm going to try some floating some pinkies this weekend, seeing how that does. Uh, second hypo clutch is due to hatch. We're, we're on day 62, so I mean, within the next probably week or so, that should be, be popping. Um, I, I still need updated pictures of those, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still waiting on the first batch really hasn't gone into into their second sheds or anything yet, which I, has been odd, but I wonder if that has just anything to do with the, the feeding thing that's been uh, I've been doing with them. You know, if, if I'm only feeding them on Saturdays, like once a week, they're just getting fed. So, yeah. I have I have a hunch that feeding them less frequently than like that in comparison to like the the Het Castagna Motley babies, which some of them are going into the second sheds already, and they were you know, they hatched later. Um, that that slower schedule for the for the hypos is uh, I think they're just they're using more of those meals, and it's not causing them to grow as much. Or as, yeah, as, you know, get as much size on them, even though. Right. They are gaining, like, the cut group is gaining weight. They're still gaining a steady, like, half a gram a week uh, in comparison to the, the uncut group, so. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the the idea that babies have to be fed every three to five days, um, I'm, I've, I've, man, I'm really starting to feel like that's just not, that's, you know, some really tiny babies lot. come out and really do need, yeah, but it really gets pushed a lot. Uh, I've, I saw a feeding chart somebody posted recently, and I was like, man, Every three days, dude, my stuff would be thrown out. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm a avid person that cooler temperatures are better for these animals. You don't you don't find them at 85 degrees. You, you just don't. Uh, and uh, those two corns that just ate for the first time that hatched out, I mean, eight weeks ago, somewhere mm-hmm. around there, uh, are beautiful, healthy snakes. They didn't look like they had dropped much weight at all. And I've got a my my super salmon snows. Uh, that I hatched out were tiny. I mean, I'm talking tiny snakes, like a gram. The whole clutch was for some reason, wow. big eggs, tiny babies. It's just how they came out. And some of those are on their second, possibly going into their third shed. And they're smaller than almost all my other uh, clutches. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting thing to, to, to kind of, kind of look at. Oh, another update for me is I've been, I'm, I'm going to be wrapping up my social media break. Uh, I, I did a, I went on a one month social media break after Daytona uh, to uh, just kind of cleanse my palate a little bit. There's a lot of uh, a lot of noise out there, a lot of a lot of a lot of shapoopies, and just didn't necessarily need to continuously see that. And uh, chose all on my own to kind of just step away. And, and it, it, man, it's really cleared my head. I've been reading a lot more. Uh, it let me focus on the stuff that I'm doing with my reptiles and focus on my family. And uh, it'll be it'll be good. It, you know, it, doing that. I try to do that once a year. I always find a uh, kind of specific point of time to to do it and go for about a month to six weeks and it's kind of funny i come back and i don't really see myself on social media that much uh <clears throat> for the first couple months then you know it kind of deleteriously grows and grows and grows and now now i'm posting and checking and so i'm still trying to post on the weekends and stuff but it's been it's been it's been nice it's been interesting if anybody's messaged me i've tried to message everybody back uh but it's been it's been cool it's been it's been a a, a clean time on my brain uh kind of get my dopamine and serotonin little chunks from other other mm-hmm. places and it's been a nice uh nice reminder that uh really doesn't always necessarily matter what other people do i mean i mean you still text me and jake still text me and me and some of the other guys still chat so uh you know still here for all of our friends still still everybody loves everybody nothing like that so 
That's good. I don't awesome, know because I, I sent you a text with the link and all I got in response was bitch. <laughs> that was I was like shoving food. I was like I was forcing it into my mouth, just swallowing. I wasn't even chewing, and I was like, Bleh. so that was a. Uh, that's what that that's what that came oh, from. Oh, see now you can see it when I adjust it, but I don't know. Uh either All way, right. yeah. So um second clutch is due to hatch. I got some more beards, two more beards. That four egg clutch, two of those eggs are, are definitely tanking. Um so there's two eggs that are good there. Those will hatch soon within the next two or three weeks. And then we're getting down to the wire on that Jansen eye egg. I think today That's is day one thirty-five. So, on paper, we've got about ten days left. Ooh, but it could hatch any time between now and then. Still, we'll see. So, it's, it's tough, man. That's nerve wracking. But I've gone, I've gone one hundred thirty-four days on a lychee before. Mm-hmm. Remember my first ones. Temps are a little warmer now, just because more stuff in the room, but. Yeah, it takes a while, man. It's scary. It goes by uh, quick though if you just ignore it and don't think about it. I don't ignore it or not it, think about that. It was it was <laughs> May that that thing was was laid. It's like the very beginning of May, like the second That's of May, awesome, when dude. she dropped dropped that clutch. It's gonna be so cool. And it's I remember when she dropped it, I was like, man, this is gonna take forever. It's gonna be the longest, you know, four months, three months, whatever of my life. Four months. Yeah. Um. But now we're here, and it's like okay. It's of course it's the last week that's going to drag the most, but oh yeah. Other than that, because um, now you're going to check it when you wake up. You're going to check it before. Oh, I, I still do. You know, I, I peek in on it because I've got the that's. I also quarantine everything from Daytona. That's that's in quarantine is in the closet, which is where my incubator is. So, um, yeah, I check on stuff in there regardless. But that Leonis from you is is rocking and rolling. That thing's at least four meals deep at this point. Nice, Just had yeah. a second shed. Um, growing like a weed. Everything I was telling Alan before we started, everything from Daytona now is just absolutely rocking and rolling. You know, everything's really hungry all the time, ready to yeah. ready to grab. So doesn't matter if it's Leonis or corn. So it's good. Yeah, you got all good stuff, man. That's, I mean, I'll, I'll, like, I'm saying everything I got uh, mm-hmm. eaten, crunching, uh, except for one little Eastern King, which is funny. I don't even think those things that had their first shed yet because they both shed uh, like two weeks after I got them. And I was like, well, they haven't ever eaten. So I knew it going into it, right? Like, yeah, we, yeah. yeah it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, Howie Sherman sold them to me. He was like, hey, these things I haven't eaten. Try this, this, and this. I tried all that, but, you know, mm-hmm. one, like I said, one of them's going. So the other one, nah. My, it might might put some tail. I mean, I'm going to start tailing Alterna probably in two weeks. So, those with the Leonis, and I was thinking about this because I don't remember what I was listening to. I was listening to something else, or I just got to thinking about it. But with the Leonis, have you done any scenting with Scalopris? No, uh, I, I the main scents that I use with them are Brevis. Um, so uh, uh, with with Leonis, it's like. Frozen thawed, right? And I always, every clutch I get one or two will take a frozen thawed, usually, right? And then the next step is boiling. Uh, mm-hmm. Boiling, I'll usually get one or two more, sometimes more. Uh, I think last year I got most of them on boiled right away. Uh, then I go uh, washed and brained because it's just an easy one, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll go washed, boiled, and then rub it into my, uh, my Brevis juice. I have a little couple tinctures of Brevis. And then uh, usually it'll go wash, 
not boiled brevis rub it in there usually by then i've got all the leonis that's like that's yeah. it right yeah. uh also uh gecko juice from the frozen gecko juice i forget the name of the brand reptilinks, reptilinks. I, yeah. yeah uh that stuff has worked for me before you know you wash the pink uh put a little bit on that uh i i have it you know i've got that i've got the old juice i got the frog juice I got tuna, I got brevis, I got scalopris, I got... I just uh, wonder if the scalopris, because that works so well with the Alterna for me, I wonder if it was a similar thing, because I think Phil and Harry both with the Leonis... Yeah. Neither of them have gotten to take, and so I just... The more I think about it, the more I wonder if, if scalopris would work as well as it did. Uh, yeah, maybe... Uh, well, the one I gave Phil was already eating. It had already had two meals boiled. Um no, then Phil just sucks. If that's the case, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll tell him to try try boiled. Maybe he hasn't tried boiled. Um, Harry's got everything eating. Harry might not have the one. From I think me. He, the one from you is not. He said everything. The only one not eating. He's got everything <laughs> else rocking and rolling, which is awesome. You know. Yeah, they a, they do that too. Incredible. Dude, Leonis are like Alterna when they start eating, they won't miss a meal if you if you're feeding them what they want. For some reason, Leonis will occasionally go on and off as babies. I, I've seen that. Uh, Scalopris is alternate crack, dude. It, it's almost always it works every time until it doesn't work, and then you're gonna go ground skink or do some some alternate straight up don't eat, right? Like they're just they're yeah. it doesn't matter. Uh, it's they're just they're just not gonna do it. You got to brewmate them, and then you know you hear these crazy stories. People are like, yeah, just go rub the pinky in dirt that's on the east side of your house. I was like, all right, I don't know, I'll try that. So. But when awesome. it's a blood moon, go outside and collect <laughs> the pine needles from a from a loblolly pine. And dude, I'll I'll never figure it out. I'll have a clutch and I'll have one that'll eat a frozen thought out of the egg and eat frozen thought every single time. And then like five will not eat for like. You gotta two wonder, months. man. So like, what's the, where's the disconnect? Like, what? Are, and what's, and what's it's so on? funny. Alterna guys are like, like I bought a I bought a male uh, Juno Road this year that wasn't eating, and the guy that I bought it from breeds all kinds of Alterna, and he was like, hey. I think it's about to start eating. And I was like, why why do Alterna guy that this it's about to go and guess what? It's eating it's eating frozen thoughts since Weird. the day I got it with no problems. Like I literally got it, gave it a frozen thought pinky, and it was like, Oh, delicious, a pinky. Sweet. Uh, so, and it was a twenty twenty two that had been brewmated and never eaten. And I just gave it a pinky. I dude, they're so weird. I don't know. They're 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 it's like the most amazing species in the world and it's also the most frustrating. <clears throat> Fair. Well, uh, this week, uh, we are very excited to have Alan Rock join us of Rock Creek Corns. Um, been trying to make this happen for a while. We met Alan at Daytona, which was, was awesome. Uh, I picked up a, a castagna from him and a little zombie uh, motley action and uh, managed to, to make an episode happen. So we're here. Yeah. And, excited. Uh, really, really glad to have, have you here, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk some corns. Oh, yeah. Man, I've been, I need some corn talk. <laughs> you know, when we had started this podcast, Alan, your name had come up a few times. Mm-hmm. And then once we found out you were uh, buddies with Alex uh, Alex Horvath, uh, we, we, were, uh, we, we, we heard a lot of good things. We were excited to bring you in and, and kind of start chatting with you about how you did things and, and where it all came from. Uh, so probably a good place to start with it. You want to you – wanna, Maybe tell us, you know, you, you don't have you can give us long version, short version, but kind of where you came in with reptiles and, 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 and how that path led you to corns. All right. 
Well, I guess it started uh, when I was five. Uh, I was down at a, a pet store in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and an uh, uh, assi assistant teacher or assistant professor came in from the biology department and said, hey, do you think your parents will let you have this baby boa? And uh, I got the instant no from my mom. And that was uh, that was the catalyst uh, that, that put the idea of owning snakes in my mind. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and before long I was out catching garter snakes and Eastern milks and just anything I could get my hands on. Started a colony of garter snakes underneath my front porch, which my mom loved <laughs> in the summer. We had bush hedges, and you could go out on a midsummer day and see 15, 20, 30 uh, two- and three-foot-long garter snakes. It was awesome. Um, moved on from that and uh, put myself through college breeding Burmese pythons. Nice. And uh, I had some corns back in the day. That was, uh, that was a long time ago. The exciting morphs back then were Amels <coughs> and Motley's. And uh, I had some of those and bred those, enjoyed them. Uh, got away from reptiles uh, for a while. And then my son in Boy Scouts started doing the reptile merit badge. Kind of got me back into it. Nice. I, I had been intrigued by the palmettos when they were discovered. And uh, I thought, what better way to get back into corns and eventually work my way into palmettos than to help him and all of the other scouts with reptile merit badges. So I actually became a merit badge instructor, bred a couple corns and gave all the scouts who had permission uh, free corn snakes and setups and everything else. Oh, yeah. That's so, that's so cool. That's so awesome. What was the, uh, that was one thing I was actually curious about too, was the, the berms, you know, what was, uh, what was the initial draw with those? Um, I, I like the bigger snakes and I came across the berms. Uh, a couple of my friends had big berms and they were breeding them. And, uh, one of them just gave me one of the babies. And that's why I went the berm route instead of the boa. Um, the particular, my very first one, I got her at 18 inches long and, uh, she eventually became my show snake. I did shows at the Roanoke Island uh, Aquarium in North Carolina. I did uh, Back Bay Wildlife in Virginia Beach. Uh, I was on the news a couple times. Uh, that particular snake went with me to the playground opening in Williamsburg, Virginia, that was funded by Bruce and Kathy Hornsby uh, from Bruce Hornsby in the range. They sponsored a playground in Williamsburg and asked me to come out and uh, give a talk. So that, that particular snake was quite the ambassador. <clears throat> wow, that's great. So when, at what point um, was it that you decided to, to pursue corns in terms of breeding on a regular basis and, and going down that route? So we started with the, the hobby level, uh, mm -hmm. doing it with my son. He got more and more into the genetics, and we were really enjoying it. And it was a great bonding time, father and son. Mm -hmm. um, then COVID came along, 
and my wife got laid off overnight via email. Oh, nice. And uh, all of a sudden, we were a single income family for the first time since I was married. And uh, we sat down and had a family meeting and talked about doing this as more than just a hobby. Um, I love the hobby aspect of it. I do a lot of... A lot of my projects I breed for myself and for other breeders. It's what I want and what I enjoy. Uh, but then the other aspect is, you know, what's going to sell? Yeah. What is in demand in the market? This is not Pokemon. I cannot keep them all. I have too many already. <laughs> See, the I, uh... is, is we say that, but then we somehow <laughs> continue. I'm trying to take on more. You know, it's yeah. I'm I'm talking about how overwhelmed I am with everything I have, and then it's like I got another conjure coming. I'm sending some <laughs> stuff to Joe Peck. Joe Joe sending me some stuff. It's I'm supposed it's, to be getting some of those Spring Island corns at some point soon. Like I'm like, what am I doing? It's so it's so hard. I do I do love one thing you said there, Alan. Talking about it it it, it yo know, it is and it is not a hobby. You talked about breeding things for yourself. I, th I think you find the best, most successful in, 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 in full-time breeders and in, in, in just people that go to shows a lot. You find the most success in people that breed for themselves first. Uh, if, if, if you're looking out for number one while you're doing this, <clears throat> your enjoyment is always escalating and, and always finding new ways to uh, kind of uh, show itself to you. Uh, you know, maybe maybe I've got a project that I've worked on for seven years, eight years, and it comes to fruition. Uh new things will, will will spawn from that and and that's 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 man that's just, a, just a, hitting a nail on the head uh you also got to make money <laughs> this is it's also an expensive hobby it's a it, this this hobby can be uh damning on your free time uh and and it, and it sounds like you know you've got the, the you, you you check the right boxes from the beginning but uh are being smart about it so that's awesome man Corn yeah. corns were also something that that I did with my dad, you know, when I was a kid, around sometime between being ten and twelve years old. So that's always been a, like for me, corns. There's there's a there's like a, a soft spot and nostalgia for me from that. So as someone who had a parent that was into it and supported it, you know, it 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 was a big big reason and why I stuck with it for so <laughs> long. Uh, that's, you know, my, my daughter now, uh, mm -hmm. getting into leopard geckos and now I have like mm -hmm. a, 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 enough to, I have enough, I have, I have enough leopard geckos <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but my kid still every day comes in, wants to play with her leopard geckos, you know, a new, another one hatches. She's still excited. She still feeds them. She still takes care of them with me. That, that, you know, it's, it's special. Uh, so Alan, yeah. you know, talking about, talking about corns, uh, what, what does your collection look like? Is it, is it all corns or do you have some other stuff? Um, so I've got, uh, two dwarf Fermi's pythons. Um, maybe someday I'll breed those. Uh, my, I have my son's, uh, full size, uh, berm. She's just young. She's going on three, about in the six and a half foot range. Um, hypo granite Burmese. Um, and then I've got a few Brooks, uh, Kings, uh, when you breed corn snakes, it's the most humane way to uh, take care of slugs, deformities, or anything else that comes along with 
with breeding more than uh, one or two corn snake parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, every every chef needs a trash compactor. Yep. So free food for them, and you know I, I like them. They're they're fun. But that's uh, that's what I have in the collection right now. It's primarily focused on the on the corns. I did start down the path uh, of of ball pythons and uh, quickly stepped away from it because there's way too much competition. There are way too many genes, and you're always chasing the leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas in my market. I try to stay on the kind of the crest of the wave and I don't have to be the leader, but I want to be up there with the animals that I'm known for. For the first several years, I was the palmetto guy because in my market, I was the only person not just bringing palmettos, but breeding palmettos and bringing the offspring and having the adults there to show. Um, there's still not, there's still not much competition in my market, but the overall market, the palmettos has gone down a bit mm-hmm. but that's why i'm creating charcoal palmettos blizzard palmettos next year i hope to have lavender palmettos i've got some butters some uh caramel palmettos just different flavors that are not in my market that's awesome <clears throat> excuse me that's awesome that's uh that's a hell of a smart way to do it too uh so that's, you know, one of the questions we were going to ask is, so what is your main focus in corns? It sounds like doing a lot of different palmetto combinations. Uh, are there any other uh, specific morphs or maybe even localities that you're you're, you're pushing towards or working towards? Castagna. Castagna. <laughs> ah, it's Castagna. Yes, I, I do have some Castagna. Um, so, so we talked earlier about doing what you enjoy, doing what the market demands. And when I look at the market, I really see three different levels of buyers. I see the beginners, the first timers, or the novice collectors, right? They're yeah. going to want some bread, what I call bread and butter snakes, anneries, maybe a normal snow, amel. They're going for something based on color more so than what are the genetics behind it. Then there's the mid-tier, the the beginning breeders or the advanced collectors who are going to want something special like a honey blood red or an amel orchid or uh what else uh fire tessera mask Mm -hmm. uh something along those lines uh or scaleless uh or the uh, a classic palmetto i i i don't sell many palmettos to first-time snake owners but i do on occasion Mm -hmm. and then there's the the advanced breeders or the advanced collectors or the high-end collectors who want to have something new like the uh scaleless clown combination or the uh something very special in the the locality like tony dongara is working on the uh the type 2 orange morph which looks almost like a a a sun-kissed extreme reverse okatee without the the red it's all orange on white you know i'm working on i'm working on microscalus i want to see what can be done with microscalus and microscale in general to to have the ability to display things on the scales but still have 
the, the scale of feel or, or at least have something unique, small pearl-like scales instead of the, the normal scales. So I, I have projects in all three categories and I, I really don't think I can shift away from that too much in order to stay competitive. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you're bringing something to the table for everybody, uh, bringing something into the market for everybody. Uh, yeah. I think that's definitely wise. Cause it's kind of, you know, in a way it's, it's similar to sort of stocks, you know, you don't want to dump all your money into a single, you know, put all your eggs into one basket um, and just kind of hope that it ends up being the right one. You know, if you haven't kind of spread out a little bit, you know, you have the ability and, and the freedom to sort of adjust as necessary. And if you need to, pull a little harder in, in one direction or the other, you know, you have the, the, the option to do that. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, Alan, I, I kind of want to take a quick step to the side. Cause I got to ask a question that's been asked me multiple times <clears throat> is micro scaleless allelic with scaleless. Is there, is there a relationship between the two? So here is my understanding of the way micro scale scaleless and microscaleless work. Microscale, a microscale animal bred to a scaleless, all the babies will be microscaleless. Okay. That is according to Y Forest in the UK. That's yeah. their findings. Uh, and that is my base understanding. Now my microscaleless male came from Don Soderberg, South Mountain Reptiles. And he stated that it was homozygous for both microscale and scaleless. And that if I bred it with scaleless, everything would be microscaleless. Okay. That is my understanding based on words directly from Don. I don't know more than those two sets of statements that I just gave you. Okay. And I, 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 I'm not sure. Yeah, because if it works like Ultramel, which is Ultra and Amel, that have a, uh, you know, uh, het and het, essentially, you're getting one copy of one gene, one copy of the other gene. You're getting a visual representation. <clears throat> but then bred to an Amel would get you half and half. So if it works like that, you would get half scaleless, half microscaleless, I guess. But everything's different every gene works differently and it, and it could be multiple genes stacked on top of multiple genes so that'll be yeah. uh so so you have not you have not done that pairing yet uh no my male is just growing up he'll be ready in the spring um i'm probably going to pair him with one scaled animal and one scaleless and just start down the path of understanding yeah in my mind i have a little bit of a stumbling block that if an animal is homozygous for microscale and homozygous for scaleless at the same time, it's going to pass one gene of microscale and one of scaleless, which should yield a microscaleless animal. But yes. I don't think that's the way it's going to work with the male that I have. So I've got to test it. I, yeah. I, I, I like to test things out at, at worst, worst case I'll have, some heads that'll be about it but i i need to figure some things out on my own and uh i can work with whatever comes out of it yeah that's i'll be taking really it cool. down down a future project lane 
Is micro scale simple recessive? Micro scale is simple recessive. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I'm. I'm especially dumb when it comes to the the scale of stuff and and <laughs> things like that, but. <clears throat> But it's going to be really interesting because certain morphs and certain pattern morphs, when it gets put to scaleless, really change change up, right? Also, lavender isn't. I was going to say, visual. what does lavender do? So then, now once you have a micro scale or micro scaleless in a lavender, <clears throat> what happens? Uh, do you actually start seeing that, or does it continue with that same uh, uh, visual visual representation of not being able to see the lavender? You would think you would be able to see the lavender. But what does the micro scale do? So that, that's going to be really interesting. So yep. Working that stuff out, find out what it does. Absolutely. Uh, the, the scaled female that I'm targeting is an amel orchid, uh, the proven female. That, that's going to be the pairing. And I'm chasing exactly what you just mentioned. Yeah. What's what's the uh, what's the the lavender going to look like down the road? <laughs> that's kind of awesome because it's that's like the first thing that pops to my mind. I'm like, well, well, this deletes it. What does this do? Right. So, uh, remind me again. Orchid is uh, sun kissed and lavender. Lavender. Yes. Right, we AML sun kissed lavenders. Three three awesome genes. I mean, orchids are great. AML orchids are great. So that's a. Uh, you know, like anything awesome. with sun kissed is going to be great. Sun kissed is so good. Sunkiss is so good. It is. There's no it hashtag no bad Sunkiss. Uh, also, the, the charcoal pewters. I'm sorry. The, excuse me. The charcoal palmettos you had mentioned earlier. Have you hatched any of those? I have. I I did. I have two two charcoals and two blizzards this year. Um, awesome. Unless you get very close to the eye, they look pitch black. If you get very close, you can see that the pupil and the iris are just a little bit different. But the variance from the leucistic style classic palmetto mm -hmm. is very striking. Very striking. And the difference from an anery palmetto is also very striking. I, I really that, like it. That's something I was wondering because anery palmettos are beautiful, uh, but I had not seen a charcoal palmetto yet. And I love charcoal, especially when it's paired to other things. I, I think charcoal really... Uh, gets you the monochromatic look. Uh, uh, obviously, you, you make a blizzard from an AML charcoal, right? Uh, you get a snow from an AML uh, anery. Uh, so, so that's that's pretty. I'll have to uh, hit you up for some pictures of that because that's uh, that's got to be a pretty cool man. I, I I almost got some palmettos at the last at, at Daytona, but you know, I was on my hashtag no more like, snakes. Feel like no that was the snakes. that was the show to do it, man. I know. Oh, dude, yeah. The the yeah, that'll probably lead to the next question that we're going to be talking about. But yeah, Daytona. Corn prices were very surprising. Um, you know, maybe it was people like me that just, you know, produced a bunch of corns this year, or maybe have a bunch of holdbacks and just, just knew that I didn't want to add to any more of that without focusing on what I've already got. Uh, maybe it was just not the year for corn snakes, especially because, man, the last couple of years, I feel like I couldn't, I couldn't have a corn snake that somebody didn't want. Um, but, you know, Alan, what, what would be, you know, what's your current uh, uh, opinion on the state of, uh, of shows and, and selling at shows? Um, so let's start with Daytona. I was, uh, I, I was a little bit, uh, little bit dismayed at, uh, some of the prices down there, some of the retail prices, there was a, a table in the main room that was selling buy one, get one free, uh, a for $25. Uh, 
and buy one get one free snows for thirty dollars and this person wow. had 70, 70 plus snakes on the table oh, and geez. the table the tables were three hundred dollars yeah and uh i i just that's not a race to the bottom that i want to participate in so i'm thinking that daytona if that is going to be the competition and you're not a, a huge name that has you know the reputation if you have lines named after you then you can do pretty well but if you don't have lines of of locality bred animals named after you i i don't i don't see how it's going to be that great of a market until the race to the bottom stops. Yeah. Yeah. And now in my market, I'm well known. I have a reputation. Uh, like I said, we started uh, doing it as a business during COVID. So that's, that's three, three and a half years now. Um, but the differentiating factor with me in, in my market is I'm bringing the top, the high-end genetics, I'm bringing the quality animals, and I stand behind them. And the adults from my quality babies all came from quality breeders. So I've, I've been working at this generationally to produce the highest quality animals. And I, I have a bit of a reputation up here. I'm not saying that the market is great right now. The overall economy is down, discretionary spending on reptiles is down and it's not it's across the board but i'm paying for my tables i'm paying for my gas and uh i'm making enough to enjoy uh the time with my son and and to continue doing this it's it's not a waste of of time and money uh we're we're having a good time and the money's not the same as it was last year, but that's okay too. Do you think being in that second room, like if you had been in the main in the main room, do you think it would have been different? I think last year it would have made a huge difference. I don't know that it would have made a difference this year. Yeah, last year for sure, because last year was a bit of a bit of a fiasco with all that. Yeah, last year was a little a lot it's different. Much smoother this year with that that second room and stuff. But we had Kevin Barron on who was vending uh, just a couple tables up from you actually and um we were talking to him about it Thursday and he was he was saying that him being in that sort of that back corner of that second room, he thinks that definitely had an effect on on things. I mean, he sold some animals, but he I think he was hoping to do better than he did, but that seems to be kind of the general consensus from, from just about everyone I talked to was that it was just, it was like, it was, it was good. It wasn't great. You know, it was it kind of was, yeah. what it was, I, you know, as a patron, I'm glad that I was able to go on Friday uh, and, and see things without all the people because my, my only day being Saturday, I do, I would, I still, there are still things I didn't see uh, things. I forgot things I missed tables mm -hmm. that you know i my god it's so, so many vendors so many tables uh i i i i get a you know analysis paralysis right i just don't know which thing to go which thing yeah. to look at thing to you know thing to buy right it, it's it's a it, it's it's a lot that's a big show and, and alan you're right if you've got the big names you've got the guys that you know are there you've got the <clears throat> your trump bowers and your and your abbots and stuff and uh the holy trinity it, yeah I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, you know, going with, you know, I, I don't produce any really high end corns, but going with, 
you know, some, some AML Motley's and being like, Hey, these are $85. And, and, and then, like you said, I saw some of those tables that were wholesaling corn snakes, right? Like what, what I consider wholesale at least are, are close enough. Uh, and, and I was, I was pretty surprised by that. Yeah. But I will say, if I recall, you were one of like two tables that had anything Castagna related. So, yeah, and that did go home. <laughs> you did go one. home with Castagna. Uh, yeah, you had a great setup, uh, and you even had some like newly hatched stuff. I think you had you had up on on top, if I remember correctly. It was a it was a beautiful setup, but and I did see a lot of foot traffic. So, kind of sucks if it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but would you say like, but the overall in the end sales base, you know, we don't have to talk about numbers, but it was, it was underwhelming. It, it was, but it didn't, uh, my goal with the trip, it was to go down, uh, meet people like you, meet some other vendors and breeders, hang out. And, uh, if I sold enough to pay for the table and the trip, I'd be happy. And, uh, that's about where I was at the end of the show. That's so that, that checks the right boxes, right? Again, yeah. it's that same thing is you, you had fun. You, you got to bring you bring your son with and enjoy it. And that's awesome. You, you you had you had some like high pied blood reds, right? I did. Yeah, those, those are that's, badass, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm working with the uh, the double homozygous. Uh, what what people refer to as the Italian line homozygous McDonald and uh, SMR pieds. Uh, I'm also working with some Ultramel pieds from the McDonald line that are running very high whites. Uh, I also picked up uh, earlier this year an old school blood red pied. What what I would consider old school brick red, not the the modern diffused mask looking yeah. pieds. Um. I'm hoping to be able to find a, a an old school blood red pie to pair with her. Uh, she's proven uh, and try to bring back that old school look. That's I, I brought my female with me to Daytona to give to Justin. And oh, she's yeah. like, she's not super high pied, right? She's, she's got some very nice pied sides on her, but she's got that red. Oh man. She, she, you look at her and you're like, that's a blood. Well, red. I looked at her and then I looked at that male that I paired this year to the girl. That male is like, that male is without a doubt hypo. Yeah. She's that is like, looking is, at her and looking at him is night and day. I need to get a video of them together so you can see it. Cause it's, she is here as day now. Exactly what I want a blood red to look like. You know what I mean? She's, she, that's for me, uh, you know, growing up in this and, and seeing blood reds, they do get darker than that, but man, she's, she's great. And that's why I'm glad because your male is, is from an older line and he's pied. So we'll, we'll see. Hell, she might be had hypo. I know she's had charcoal. Uh, I've got, I've got all kinds of her babies all over the place. So. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've still got babies left. I, 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 I will, I will go to war against anybody that doesn't like pewters. I love pewters. Dude, how can you not? Pewters are great, man. They're like one of the oddest. And they're, they're, I think they're one of those morphs that you could take pictures of all day and they just look better in person. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and still, my goal, I've got all the ingredients to make a pied tessera pewter. So I've, I've, I've made all the babies. I've got doubles and triples of stuff. Hopefully, in the next three to five years, I can make a pied pewter tessera, which is, 
I've never seen one for sale. So I'm sure they exist. I'm sure I'm sure if I really dug and spent a lot of time, I could find a pie pewter tesser. That's what I want. I want a pie pewter tesser. So, anyways, whatever that. Well, it's, it's funny, too, because I, I got that coral ghost female from you, too, to bring down. And I remember you saying, like, I can't get pictures of her, but you can't she's can't get a pink. picture of her. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, whatever. And then I tried to take pictures and, like, <laughs> video and try and get some of that pink. I mean, she, it is very subtle. Yeah. But I'm like son of a bitch like it just it's not there in pictures and video it doesn't like it's so frustrating because it's like it is yeah. nice it's she definitely there the cool Can't thing about it her browns are really cool her browns are really saturated you know it's a it's a, it's a ghost red coat um red factor excuse me ghost red factor uh jmg old school coral ghost and uh but it's the aztecing on her the mm-hmm. pattern and i didn't get any of that pattern the first time i bred her on any of the babies uh I did prove her out het stripe, um, but she is supposed to be het uh, sun kissed also. Yeah, so she's she's got she's got all kinds of good genes in her. Well, I really want to. That's exactly what I want to tie into the Castagna stuff is some you know coral coral ghosty red factory type stuff just to see kind of how that plays with the you know the muting and fading of of how Castagnas look. Yeah. How it how it interacts there, but especially because uh, you have a motley castania, put it to her, you're going to get red factor and motley's uh, motley you know motley stripes uh, in mm-hmm. your first in your first clutch. And who else knows? Who knows what else is in that castania uh, motley? Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, he's, he doesn't have anything else going on, according to Mike. But, but she, oh, she's also had email. Yeah, but we talked about that. Yeah, we'll see. Jeans, corn snakes, man. You just never know what you're going to get. Fun. <laughs> That was my my man my my top tier. I'm doing Okati reverse Okati to a to an Ultra Meltestra. Let's go right. Just happens to be head head uh head Annery. We're all right. She's not head Annery. Turns out head Annery, and I got like very very few of what I was trying to make. So because I got a lot of snows. <laughs> so now I have I had snows and snow Tesseras, and of course I, I like knocked the odds out of the park. Right. So it's like half snows. I'm like ah oh, great. This is exactly not what I wanted, but that's okay. Those what things are your, happen. What are your feelings on on Tessera and and Mask? Is that for me? Yes, sir. Any anybody? Yeah. Um. I, let's start with Mask. Mask can be pretty confusing uh, to the general public, and even some breeders don't even disclose or don't even look for Mask. It it they just bypass it. Um, I'm a huge fan of super mask. I produced this year, some super mask, sun kissed, uh, honeys. And, uh, they, they look, they look pretty special. Um, that combination, the super mask, I, I like it. Um, I don't have them on the table very long when I put them out. So I, I'm assuming that, that, the the market at least in my market likes them uh mask i typically just i will disclose it and and list it so people know what they're getting and then give them an education as far as the split down the belly scales and the the change in the head pattern i do have one line however that the mask just blew me away the first time i saw it it is from my fire het caramel male to my Ultramel New School Blood Red Tessera 
het caramel female. These masks with the contrast of head patterns and colors, they look like Spartan helmets. They look like scream masks. It was just phenomenal. They, my first clutch from that pairing was two years ago. It hatched out while I was on vacation. One of my friends was watching. He's like, Hey, these are hatching. I was fully convinced I was coming home. I was going to wholesale the clutch just because I had gobs of babies. And I took one look at them and I said, these aren't going anywhere. And, uh, (laughs) I held back quite a few, and uh, Alex got a couple over time. A friend of mine, Matt Davis, from uh, North Country Kings and Corns. Um, A couple other guys uh, got some from from that pairing. And uh, I I think done well, masks can be spectacular. Well, we've talked about it a little bit. I know it's uh, like, you know, Chris and I in previous episodes, and it's – it's just tough because it's there's so much variation in terms of expression. Like I know Chris has sent me some stuff where he's like, I think it's mask. Like if you look at it and you're looking for it, you could say that it's there. If you're not and you're not noticing it, then maybe it's not. So it's one of those things where I know uh, just talking in, in the, you know, in the Cornstars group chat, there's, there's some guys that are like, it. I, you know, I hate it because say in the same vein as Tessera where it's like, once it's there, it's there, you know, it kind of, yeah kind of hijacks a lot of stuff yeah tessera you you always know when it has it but mask can be very hard to tell especially with the and and the other thing that one of the things that gets me about mask and 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 this is i've I've talked with people about this it's not always just head diffusing it can you can have a perfectly stock standard head sometimes with some belly diffusing right and some side diffusing even and and you'll sometimes you'll get a super mask that looks like a blood red or a diffuse yeah and and it's you know these these things it's, it's 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 a spectrum almost uh, I sent uh, Alan. I think you saw some of the uh, caramel stuff that I sent to uh, Alex. Uh, there was a shatter. There was a shatter caramel diffused mask in there, and like it looked spectacular. Uh, that was that was absolutely. A, that was a, that was a really special thing. I'm so glad I sent him. I sent him like that whole clutch except for two snakes because I, I kept two uh, uh, mask honeys. Uh, and, and and they're like so masked, they look diffused. At first, I thought they were diffused, but then I started noticing a couple of uh, belly checkers as I kind of looked closer. Uh, but I said that whole clutch to him. I was like, I'm just excited for somebody to have these. And I, I was I, that was one of those clutches that like I was either keeping everything or I was giving everything to one person. Uh, that was a fun clutch. So I get to do that again next year. Absolutely beautiful. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. I, actually, next year I'll be doing it different. I have a mask tessera honey. From the same parents as my original male, so I have a new male I'm going to put in there. So I'll do that same female to a honey tessera mask, and it's all the same genes. So the only so I'll, I'll compound it one more, and I'll throw tessera in, and we'll see what what poops out. That female's so badass. So nice, and, nice. Yeah, always always super exciting. So uh, you're talking about vending shows. Um, you, you keep saying your demographic, your area. Uh, how, how many shows are you vending here? I'm doing probably 25 to 30 shows wow. a year. Wow. Um, this this is, uh, you know, it's father-son time for me. So, you know, it's we go out and we do shows. We do quite a few. Um, it's, 
it, for me, you know, the, the payoff is, is time with family at the same time that I, I get to go out and educate people about not just corn snakes, but snakes. I get to see people that I'm happy to call friends now uh, that I've met through the reptile world. Um, Patrick from Suzy Q Scalus, JT from Silent Hill, Adrian from Adrian's Exotics, Tony Dungar you've had on here. Alex, I met Alex was, uh, I, I think he bought his first snake from me and I met him two and a half, two and a half years ago or so. Uh, we're good friends now. Um, it, it, it has a lot of non-monetary benefits just going out and, and doing the shows, preparing the night before with my son, labeling things, uh, you know, being there and, and vending at the shows. He enjoys it. I enjoy it. It's tough. You know, he's 18 years old. A lot of 18 year olds are, see you later, dad. Yeah. Uh, don't call me. I'll call you when I need money. But, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's fully involved and uh, definitely, definitely loves uh, spending time with, with me as well. So, I mean, that's something that a lot of people don't, you know, they can't say, you know, a very solid majority of, of people that are that are into this. You know, they had parents that borderline tolerated it, but weren't really in it, you know. And, and to me, like having a parent that was in it was like, I'm really lucky in the fact that that my dad was into it and, and still is to a degree. But um, that's such a that's a pretty rare rare thing and especially to be doing it on a regular basis together is is also you know that's awesome that's that's great yeah that's that's a good thing damn any 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 kind of a thing you can share with your son uh you know i'm still close with my dad he's he's 75 now and uh any time we can get together to do just you i think our favorite thing to do now is sit around drink beer and make fun of each other but uh but yeah that's just the that's just a good thing you did your son uh yeah, you know, I got I got to ask the scouts question. Did he did he make it to Eagle Scout? He did. He that's awesome. He earned his Eagle Scout earlier this year. Um, Wonderful. Spent. Uh, he coordinated volunteers to work over 240 hours in a seven hour day. Wow! Wow! Um, yeah, that, so. that I, I'm an Eagle Scout and uh, going through scouts and doing my Eagle Scout project and the leadership training that was involved in that still to this day uh, at almost 40 years old uh, is, is very prominent in my life. Uh, I, I think that's a great thing. And any uh, young man that makes it through that is, is, is a smart kid. you got to be a smart kid. So that's I good. Never, I never made it past Wee Blue. <laughs> a lot, a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't. And that's, you know, it, it also, that, you know, there's nothing about scouts. People don't understand. It takes a lot of dedication from your family. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of things they need to get you to. And and some in some families, and I know this. Uh, the work I, I the amount of work I do, the amount of work my wife does, uh, extracurricular stuff is tough. Uh, very yeah, very tough. It, it takes a lot of dedication from your family. You you don't get there on your own. Uh, it, it take it takes it takes a, a village to make it happen, uh, and a good troop, uh, a good scout troop. Absolutely. So, uh, do you do? I just kind of jump into the next question. Do you do a lot of online sales? I do. Um, I, I'm currently using Morph Market. Um, 
think I have uh, 70 animals up or so right now. Wow, uh, nice. Try to keep them fresh, try to keep them rotating. Um, it's It's been a good forum for me this year. Uh, last year, I was on the free the free membership level and uh, sold a few here and there. Um, but once again, I, I look at the big picture with everything. I, I have some direct sales. I, I've, I've done okay uh, with Morph Market direct sales, but I've also had many people find me locally by finding me on Morph Market. So these are people who aren't going to reptile shows. They're just online browsing. And yeah. then they're like, Hey, you're just up the road from me. Um, can I come over? And uh, yeah, that twice this week, I, I had customers and sales uh, because they found me on Morph Market. So there's the, the directly tangible and then there's the indirect sales that have come out from my online presence. That's really cool. Uh, you know, as, as Morph Market has evolved and changed, do you think it's kind of headed in a good direction? You think it's doing the right thing? Change is always difficult for people. And I, I think we're in a tumultuous time with, with Morph Market. Some people like to change. Some people don't. Um, I think once it stabilizes, I think we're undergoing a lot of changes in a very short period of time. I think once it stabilizes, it'll be better uh, for all of us. Mm -hmm. But I work in the IT realm, so I understand the changes and uh, adapting to rapid changes. And I, I can, I've been able to navigate my way through. I, I will be very honest. Some of the changes have been very disruptive for me. But then you learn how to either work around them or work with them. And... Yeah improvise, adapt, and overcome is, is one of the, the tenets of my personality. Um, so it, it has definitely been a challenge. Change is difficult for a lot of people. And I think the sooner we can get the platform stable and consistent again, mm -hmm. the better for everyone it'll be. I, I, I agree. I, I, as changes are made, sometimes it's difficult when it's small changes at a time. Or one big change, two small changes. Here comes. Well, I think it's been a bunch of small changes all at once. Has kind of been yeah. the biggest it's and, sort and of bottleneck. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I I think I think the platform and the way that it works as a whole is really good for not only new uh, hobbyists but tenured hobbyists. I think we see it's you know there, there's a few categories that need to be fixed, including Pitchofis, which I've already sent my letters and descriptions as to why. Uh, but there's there's little things that need to be fixed here and there. Uh, but getting a, a little bit of the noise out of it, uh, it, it it's it's the it's the right type of platform. It is it is the right. Uh, it's got it, it's got it's got the bones and a lot of the meat there for it to be the the, the thing. Uh, I come from Kingsnake.com for a lot of years. I bought a lot of animals on Kingsnake.com even from when I was 18 years old. Uh, and and you know comparing now loved it i loved the way the forums worked that was a that was a uh, a, a cornerstone of my life cornerstone of my life but the way that the the app and and, and the, the the ease of messaging and stuff like that uh there's a lot of there's a lot of good things in there uh so i, I think you know 
yeah. I think it's I think I think you're right. A lot of lot of changes and just kind of letting that stabilize. Yeah, I've been I've been really I need to to get back on there and and get some stuff up, but it's just been I I'm really hesitant. It's just at this point it, it's borderline painful and it's mostly just dealing with the 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 lack of follow through on a lot of people's part. You know, I, I have no issues talking to people and messages and stuff. Um, you know, answering questions, that's fine. Like, I don't have any issues with it. But when you know that, like, nine times out of ten, they're they're either just going to outright disappear or just not come through. It's like, what am I doing? I, I have had two people message me to hold a $75 snake, which I told them no. Uh, they could pay for it in full, and I would hold it until they wanted me to ship. That is not a problem. But, but I'm not, you know, uh, uh, can I put $5 down now and pay you $8 a week for the next 72 years? Uh, that ain't me. Uh, and also I posted some northern pines. I got two beautiful northern pines ready to go. And, oh, my gosh, the messages I got on these animals, just 10, 12 people messaging me like, you know, what's what's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? What are these? You know, and it's like. Yeah. See, I just like I don't look. I'm not looking forward to to that. You know, it's, it's, and it's in order to find northern pines on Morph Market, you have to go to other colubrids. You have to click on pine snakes. You have to go to northern pine snakes to find my ads. Right? Like it's not like the first thing that pops. I guess if you hit other colubrids, it would pop up on the list. And it's like I don't, I don't necessarily. And then like I'm very descriptive. I'm one of those like assholes that posts like a massive description as to what it is, why it is, where the line came from. And people still ask me like the most simple questions, like "What is this?" And I'm like, "Dude, I don't know." I, I don't, straight up, fifty-five bucks, I'll ship it to you, though. No questions asked, right? <laughs> like, you, just, you just have it. Yeah, I don't know. Yes, the forty gallon is perfect. You need a hundred and twenty gallon for the snake. That's it. I'm just, I'm just saying yes to everything now. <laughs> you know, hey, you know, Alan, I want. I, we, we, we've, we've derived. We started talking a little bit more about the the financials and the selling on snakes. Kind of, kind of love Evan asking everybody this question. What's your uh, What's your keeping style? Your feeding regimen? What's your what's your uh, what what are the bones of your collection look like? Uh, juveniles and hatchlings is uh, feeding weekly. Uh, everything's on frozen thawed before it even thinks about leaving this room. Uh, Sub adults are on the seventh ten day, uh, and then my adults uh, depends on what time of year it is. Right now, my females get to eat every week, and the males get to eat about every two weeks. And uh, that'll stop uh, right around the end of October. I'll flush the systems and uh, get them ready for brumation. Uh, once they come out of brumation, I go small meal, regular size meal, and then the females will start double feed until they lay. And then we'll start that, that same process, small meal, single meal, double meal, if I'm going to double clutch them. I, I have some. That no matter what I do, they're going to double clutch, and I know which ones they are, so they get the double feed again. And uh, then I have one that is extremely stubborn and triple clutches, but she does not get the she does not get the double feed. Uh, I just let her lay the slugs, and they go straight into my king snakes. She hasn't had any problems pushing them out, so uh, I just let her lay slugs the third time, but. That's that's the overall regimen of uh, of feeding. Clear and concise. 
uh, as far as keeping, do you do uh, any 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 naturalistic or anything, or you, you do pretty stock standard? Uh, because I switched this into a business about three and a half years ago, I'm on rack systems. Uh, when I move to the next house in the spring, I'll be a combination of racks and cages. Um, right now, I'm on sea serpents racks. Uh, I... I actually have co-designed a, uh, a a hatchling rack with sea serpents, and that's co-branded. Uh, it's based on a airtight two-liter uh, Sistema lunchbox, and oh, what wow. I'd put in that is uh, is hatchlings that cannot absolutely cannot escape. Um, I, it. Murphy's law says your nicest one is the one that escapes from, you know, the, the escape proof hatchling rack. Uh, and I had that happen last year and it, it, it put me in a really bad mood for a while. Oh, yeah. So I, I worked on this design and, uh, this is, uh, these are airtight lunch boxes with three, uh, eighth inch holes on every side. And uh, I've yet to find a corn snake that's going to get out of the eighth of an inch drill hole. So, um, yeah, that's for here. It's a functional working breeding room. Uh, in the new home, I hope to have several display cages that I can rotate some of my nicer animals in and out of. I yeah. can use them for enrichment. Right now, I use my V70 rack. For enrichment, um, I'll throw a couple girls and a couple boys in uh, in the different bins uh, and just let them get a little bit of exercise for an hour or two, be so they don't get too stressed out. And uh, then I'll put them back in their home and they'll go and rest. And I, I just in the new place, I, I definitely am looking forward to having a little bit more room and uh, having a few animals on display because I do have a couple nice ones here. I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, that's so, uh, with brumation, what kind of temps you hit? My target is 55, which is right in the, the mid range. Uh, that way, if I get a five degree spike either way, or even a 10 degree spike either way, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, it, it's tough in Maryland because we often will have a, a temp spike in November. Last year, we had a day that hit 90 and we had a couple couple days at 85 around that and i don't have a basement so i don't have i can't use just ground temperature i i had them on the ground in the back of my garage and uh you know all of a sudden it's 80 degrees on the ground back there and they're awake and crawling around it messed up my brumation a bit but um my target temp is 55 kind of yeah been, perfect perfect numbers yeah been trying to get a drink cooler uh with an electric electronic thermostat that i can then just put the animals in bins in the drink cooler and uh maintain doesn't matter if it's 90 outside or not yeah that's you know uh, with our ridiculous temperatures here in south texas we have to create hibernaculums right like we have we have to make a room or an area that gets down to that temperature it doesn't it it, it don't work outside <laughs> uh but 
so yeah, that's you know I, I've seen a lot of people use wine coolers because uh, a lot of wine coolers uh, go from forty five to sixty five. That's the temperatures are already set at. So you would just set it at uh, fifty five and leave it. Uh, they get they're dude. Wine coolers are expensive though. Uh, I know that Facebook yeah. Marketplace. <laughs> you, you need a lot of them for the amount of snakes you got. Uh, they're 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 not big and they're they're just pricey. My my first couple years brewmating, that's actually what I used. I just didn't have a lot of snakes doing it, so I just plopped them in. in, in, in it, it, probably best brewmation I've ever had at my house. Now a lot of my stuff leaves my house to brewmate, but my my closet, a good old closet with a portable AC unit that gets down to sixty, and the room stays about fifty. So it's a uh, got to do something. Uh, so Alan, how many uh? How many pairs do you normally shoot for? You said you've been doing this pretty heavily for for three years. Uh, is there is there a target number you 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 want to do and not go over, or is it just as many as we'll go? Um, I'm targeting twenty to twenty five pairs next year, um, and then by the time I'm done with double clutches, I'll be at thirty to thirty five, uh, and that's that's the upper limits. Uh, this year, unfortunately, uh, am finishing my numbers with clutch 78. Whoa. Um, Whoa. <laughs> and I had, yeah, I had, uh, new girls decide that not only were they going to be first time moms, but they were also going to double clutch mm-hmm. and, uh, just, uh, yeah, a little bit, a uh, little bit much this year. Uh, definitely want to cut those numbers down. That's um, a lot of baby snakes, man. That is a lot of baby snakes. That was too many baby snakes this year, but that's okay. I, I most of of the project ones, most of the ones that I wanted to do uh, hit. I had a couple that were a little disappointing, and then I had uh, I had a couple females that I had purchased uh, come in and uh, two weeks later drop eggs uh, unexpectedly. So. Wow. My numbers were were off this year, um, but I'm not going to turn down, uh, you know, four four adult females proven from the water, indirectly from the Water Smith collection. Yeah, and uh, you know, then end up with sixty babies from them uh, with virtually no work. So, yeah, I don't blame you. So, uh, what, was the, what was the final count for this season as far as babies, or did you not count? I have not counted. I have uh, I have 150 left in the racks. That's after 78 clutches. That's not bad. <laughs> Thankfully, some of the clutches were small, and uh, my biggest clutch was 70 or 27. Uh, smallest clutch uh, uh, that had eggs uh, survive was probably two. So. It, it was definitely a lot of variants, uh, a lot of cool stuff produced, but uh, way too many. My, my incubator has been going since January. My first clutch hatched in January this year. <laughs> and I produced, I produced a scaleless palmetto in February out of one of my clutches. Wow. Does that, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't mean to sound cross asking this. Does that animal sell? Is, is that a, do those sell? Right, like scaleless palmettos. I've seen a couple, but I always wonder. You know, they 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 should have a high price tag. Do they do they do they, they sell well? Is that they have sold well? I I held on to mine. Um, 
Last year, everyone that went to Daytona, with the exception of one, sold at Daytona at asking price. And the one that did not sell was on Morph Market for about a month or two at $4,500. And then it sold at $4,500. Wow. There you go. <laughs> that That's, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's a, uh, you know, there's, there's, this year's definitely been tougher. I know, I know for a fact this year's been tougher on everybody for, for corn steak sales. That's a reflection of the economy. Uh, that's a reflection of the time that people were spending during COVID, uh, looking more time at their phones, spending more time online, spending more time looking for things to do. I, I, I don't think a lot of people think that during COVID, people were looking for companion animals. I, I think that I think that did happen, but I don't think that is why sales were so much better. I think people weren't spending as much money, right? People no, had more no, for sure, more extra money for their personal hobbies. Because they weren't going out to eat as much. They weren't going to the movies. They weren't going to the bars. They weren't going Stimulus on vacations. Stimulus checks. Stimulus checks were happening. Uh, yeah. And, and, and so I, I, I know that as, as in my personal opinion, as the economy, the economy is going to uh, uh, wax and wane, right? Like it's, it's going to ebb and flow. And, and, and as, it, as, it, as it readjusts, as it gets better, snake sales, reptile sales will get better. Things will go back to where they, they need to be at a good price. But it's when, when, when the economy's uh, kind of in this kind of rough patch. Uh, you start seeing people with, you know, $25, buy one, get one free snakes and, and stuff. And, and it's because they're just trying to move everything. You also probably had a lot of people that saw the economy doing so well in the reptile business uh, that decided to produce more and more and more and more or at that time got into it, right? Like I'm going to buy a couple adults in 2020 because I know that these things are selling. And then in 2023, I'm selling them for $5 a piece, right? Because I didn't actually know what I was getting into. I didn't do any time. I didn't spend any time. Uh, whereas somebody like you, building a collection over time, knowing what you're working with, planning your demographic, hitting the shows, uh, putting in the time, uh, you, you understand where you can sell, what you can sell, what you can possibly wholesale if necessary, uh, and what are going to be your hot ticket items. So, I, I, you know, there's, there's just a lot of that happening, I think, right now. I agree. So, I also you know, think, though, if it like given the the prices that I saw at Daytona, like if there was someone who was looking to get into certain projects or get a nicer pair of, of animals, like now was probably the best time to do it because it's <laughs> like some of the some of the stuff that I saw was just it was outrageous how how low it was in terms of like I think I saw shatters for like 150 bucks. Yeah. It's just like, damn. yeah, and I, I think if you would have gone Sunday, Sunday afternoon and stopped by a lot of tables and, oh, and offered, yeah. offered certain amounts of money for stuff, uh, I think, I think you could have walked away with some pretty nice stuff at a discount. Mm -hmm. I, I, I did have a little run in, uh, on the prowl for leopard geckos for my daughter. There was a specific morph she wanted. I don't want to say it because you know, the gentleman may be a listener. And I found a guy that had exactly what she was looking for. I only found one or two at the show. And one was $200, which was a good price for animal. I actually didn't buy it just because I didn't necessarily like the guy's attitude. Uh, and I, I'm one of those people. If I, don't, if I don't like who's selling the animal, I'm sure I'm not going to buy it. You're not getting my money. I worked hard for this money. You're not going to get it. Uh, the other guy was one of the coolest guys I've ever chatted with and had the exact same, exact same combination and wanted $1,200 for it. And I could not figure out why one was this and one was this. And I even asked him. I was like, hey, man, you want to come off this price? I'll, I'll meet you in the middle right around here. And, and it was kind of just like a, no, oh, no, this is what I'm selling for. Kind of respect that, though, right? Like, mm -hmm. he knew what he had. He knew what he wanted. Uh, I kept his card. I may still end up getting getting 
one of these from him. Uh, but yeah, I was really surprised that there was, there was a lot of that at Daytona. There's a lot of people just trying to get rid of stuff. The animal should have been about six, $700. Uh, so seeing it for a really cheap price, I was kind of like red flag. And then yeah. seeing it kind of for a high price, kind of retrospectively looking at it, you know, maybe having it in my hands, uh, I, I, I could, I could have spent that money and, and, and been pretty happy with it. Uh, hindsight's 2020, you know, it, it, it is, it is what it is. Uh, but you know, Alan, if if, I, if we went back, we looked at this season. Uh, handful of standouts. Is there is there any is there any specific, maybe a specific clutch, maybe a specific animal, four or five that you're like, this was this, this was my first time producing this, any, anything like that? Um, yeah, I I, I would say uh, I've been working toward the charcoal palmettos and the blizzard palmettos for several years. That's one of my projects. Um, so those are definitely high on the list of of what I'm, I'm excited about. Um, I produced some, I think I mentioned the super mask, uh, sun kissed honey or super mask honeys. Uh, those are, uh, those are definitely a standout. My Amel orchids, uh, last year on morph market, you couldn't buy an orchid. There were only a handful available nationwide. Um, I picked up a couple from Joe Peck. I know that uh, JT picked one up, uh, but we were both looking and we were both trying to help one another look for orchids. So the fact that I was able to produce some orchids this year, some Amel orchids, uh, next year I should have some hypo orchids. Um, I did produce a couple caramel orchids this year. That, that's That's been fun. It's It's realizing the fruits of your efforts and you know, the multi-generational breeding, the, creating the recipes for what you want down the road and taking each step toward it. That, for me, is very rewarding. Absolutely. And, with, and the orchid stuff is just killer. It is. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, when it comes to, to clutches like that, um, you know, or just in general, I mean, what's the, do you have a particular process as far as picking holdbacks? Or like a specific number you aim for with holdbacks, or is it kind of just a free for all, like whatever stands out, you know? Um, typically, it's it's whatever stands out. Um, but some of my projects are are the longer term projects. Uh, I mentioned earlier, next year I should be producing butter palmettos, lavender palmettos. Uh, that's a multi year project. My scaleless palmetto is unrelated as much as you can be unrelated to any type, any palmetto because they all came from one, but I didn't have the genes in my collection combined. I bred a scaleless male to my female palmetto kind of burnt the season for both of them. Yeah. And I held back uh, 2.4 of those and eventually bred them back together and came up with my scaleless palmetto. Um, I do have uh, another project that I'm working on. And, and Justin, this may ring, ring through to you at least a little bit. Uh, scaleless mandarins. I embarked down that path. Uh, this year. That's not my end goal project. 
but um, I held back 2.5 of those. Um, and I actually have uh, visual mandarins and visual castanias mm -hmm. in that 2.5. So nice. uh, I discovered in Patrick Smigaki's line from Suzy Q, I discovered castanya running through it. He didn't even know. It was just a chance pairing that I did going toward my project. And uh, I came up with uh, mandarins and castanyas, 100% uh, head scaleless. So that's going to be cool. I, I guess I, I guess my holdback strategy for my special projects is always multiples. I don't want to lose, you know, two or three years of working toward that project. I'd rather just have one or two more mouths to feed. Right. Um, a secondary strategy that I employ is I genetically bank. So if I hold back 2.5, maybe I'm going to grab 3.6 and I'm going to send 1.2 to one of my friends mm -hmm. and 1.2 to another one. Um, these are for my important projects. Once again, I don't want to lose two to three years of time. And mid midwinter for us, you know, if we lose power for five to seven days and I can't get out because we got four feet of snow. Mm -hmm. I may lose my animals. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Texas. Midsummer, you lose power for five to seven days, and the the gridlock or no gas available, and you can't get your animals somewhere cool. You could lose your collection. Uh, so I, I, I send my my important projects get uh, get sent offsite to a different location. I, you know, I cannot believe you just, you know, exact same mentality. Every special product I have, I send animals to friends because if I lose it in my collection, I know where the, where, where those genetics still exist. Uh, it, it's, you know, and you're damn right. If, if I've lost my AC in the middle of summer, I've had my room hit 90 degrees. Uh, I've got a, I've got a massive generator and two portable AC units that I can plug into, into that generator. Uh, it happened while I was on vacation, right? Ooh. I came home. I came home to, to no AC. Didn't even know it. Uh, you know, same thing happened. Uh, I went on vacation while brewmating, and my uh, portable AC that goes in the closet has a hose that goes outside to push out the heat. Uh, that hose popped off and put my room to 90-something degrees, which was kind of funny because the damn <laughs> the, the air-conditioned closet stayed cold. Uh, but I lost uh, I, I lost a handful of uh, geckos uh, because of that, and, uh, and I think one or two snakes. Uh, so it's you know, got to have a fallback when you're working on this stuff. That's you you, you couldn't be more correct in that in, in the way of doing that. The normal het scaleless have that look to them. Do the castanias that are het scaleless? Do they look? They have like a similar sort of appearance. If that makes any sense. Um, I don't notice that they look that much different from the Castanya non-head scaleless. No, I'm thinking I of palmettos. I'm sorry, not scaleless. Yeah, palmettos have a okay. visual head. Yeah, <clears throat> they just look yeah, like the an markers on your mandarin, as they should. Yep. Yep. 
I don't know of, of any markers that are showing through on either the Mandarin head scaleless or the Castenia head scaleless that I've held back. I can't think of any. There's no missing scales on the head. The head shape is is the the typical corn snake, whereas some of the head scaleless you can see the the slight difference, uh, kind of toward the scaleless look, but I I don't see that. Do you, do you ever kind of notice with the head scale of stuff, the emery eye influence that maybe heavier body or just deeper saturation in the melanin? Really, really not. Um, so bred out, I guess, at this point. I, I think so. I, I see the natural variance in my, my non-scaleless clutches. I see some lighter animals, some darker animals. I see some bigger animals, some smaller animals. Um, I, I'm really not noticing a, a difference between anything that I have that's het scaleless versus uh, versus the the non het scaleless. Okay, interesting. The uh, do you happen to work with any terrazzo? I do not. Um, I'm partnering with Alex from Keystone on. A boot keys project. Okay. Um, I picked up the aberrant pattern. Uh, I've got one and one aberrant pattern boot key, and then a normal female boot key. And he picked up the terrazzo. Uh, that's the only known gene in the boot keys uh, locality is the terrazzo. So we're going to shoot for some aberrant pattern terrazzos, and we'll be working with. Uh, terrazzo boot key localities. Awesome. I, I've I've really drawn towards terrazzo. Uh, I did not see any terrazzo at uh I saw one head. Yeah, I think I think there was a couple tables that had heads. Uh, uh, but no no visual terrazzos. So that's kind of if, if anybody listening to this is working with terrazzo, uh, you know, let me know because I I would like to get some visual terrazzos. I think I think I want to put get some terrazzo uh, charcoals right. Like I like charcoal. Maybe you know. Let's see. Uh, let's let's mix that up. Let me give it a little monochromatic terrazzo. Uh, I think that'd be. Uh, I think that'd be pretty neato. Uh, but they're. It's like one of those morphs. It's just like impossible to find. It's just. Uh, there. I'm glad. I'm glad y'all got a hold of some of the stuff in that in that realm. Any. Uh, so, uh, one thing we wanted to ask is as 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 shifts happen you know, outside of financials, outside of prices. Have you found popularity in any morphs now that were not popular, or were there any things that were strikingly popular that you see people just don't have as much interest in now with as many shows as you do? Wow. Um, I I think I I think the normal palmettos are losing popularity. I think the scaleless uh, is is sliding down a little bit from where it was a couple years ago. Um, I, I see things like lavender and orchid really kind of picking up, the interest picking up. Um, locality uh, seems to be picking up, at least in my market. Um, I was able to put some of my uh, Abbott line uh, locality and my Sherman line locality items uh, or animals up on the table this year, and they did quite well. Um, 
I made for the first time this year sun-kissed red zeppelins, which are Sherman Line Okatee Hunt Club Amels uh, with sun-kissed on top of those, and I couldn't keep them on the table. Phoenix corns. I think he calls them uh, Phoenix corns, right? I've heard Phoenix described as hypo sun-kissed red zeppelins and uh, also just the sun-kissed red zeppelins. So I, I haven't used that that term because I don't know that that I don't want to be the one to define it definitively, but those are, yeah. the, those are the three genes that have been discovered in the Okatee hunt club lines is the sun kissed, the, uh, the hypo and uh, the AML. So I don't want to be the one to define that, but uh, the locality, I, I see a lot more interest in locality, the, the boot keys, um, some of the, the various island uh, localities seem to be gaining popularity, at least in my market. I have people asking for it and uh, and really appreciating them. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I have a little section of, of locality corns. and I know obviously Justin has his Ladies Island stuff, and so we're both. <clears throat> I, I, I'm excited about it, but I'm also excited that we're putting morphs to those to get yeah. different phenotypes uh, in the end. Though it may be a planned and like pretty clear phenotype that you're going to get, you're still going to get different looks. Absolutely. At what point did you get into Castagna and why is it your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> I had an idea this question might come around. Um, I really love the look of the mandarins. Um, it it's a throwback to my childhood actually when the ice cream man came around it was time for that orange cream push pop mm -hmm. and the mandarins just have that nice creamy orange color and uh that that really drew me to uh the mandarin and then as i got beyond the hobby level and doing it uh as as a business I started to look at just the color combinations and the different, uh, like the hypo castanias and just playing with the color. And that's, once again, that's what's fun for me is, is trying something out. And if it works great. And if it doesn't, I know I've learned and I understand from it. Um, it's just a, it's a fun gene to work with. Uh, it, it's different from many of the other genes and you know I, I have I have some some ideas of you know putting maybe a black okatee into a, a castagna and really trying to accentuate some of the the dark colors some bring out the melanin more mm -hmm. just to see what it looks like um, I have seen a mandarin okatee from Lee Abbott and it was it was spectacular. They're beautiful, fascinating, very beautiful. That's the fun part about being a corn snake breeder. You're once the animals eat, they typically stay on food. You can get them up to breeding size in three, four years. Ninety-five percent of the animals you'll have up to that size, and the odds are fairly good of knowing what you're going to get and the odds are even better that you'll get a surprise or two out of 
the clutch where you thought you knew everything that you were going to get. Yeah. Um, that's the fun part of it. The, the creating the, the mad scientist part. Hey, I'm going to try this. Okay, great. Do you like it? Oh, no. Or <laughs> that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Right. Absolutely. It, mixing matching you're, you're you're doing a little alchemy you're, you're you're just trying to see what you're going to be able to create it's so much fun i think that's it the is. uh the the chondro side of me is what likes that that taking polar opposites and putting things together to see what comes out the other side kind of thing you know not that not knowing is is exciting i mean it's when you have a clutch where you were expecting a or you were expecting it to to zig when it's zagged you know that you don't know exactly what's going on that that does get a little frustrating but in terms of like you know like the ladies island stuff tying that into morphs and not knowing what's going to happen you know two three generations in like that is really exciting um you know i i all the castagna stuff that i've got you know the plans that i have like no one's going to take a long time to really have any of it come to fruition but again not knowing exactly what how it's going to operate with other things in the mix is uh is what excites me about that the most and that little mail i got from you at daytona man like that's going to be a, a really good looking animal like i'd pull that thing out and look at it uh <laughs> we have this one lamp in in my house where like the, the lighting is perfect it's not too warm it's not too cool like that makes the colors just look exactly how they should and like i pull that thing out and i'm just blown away you know, I was playing with some of the ones I got from Westmoreland the other night too, and I was like, "God, these things are." There's even with those five animals that I got from him, the variation in those because they're all clutch mates, if I'm not mistaken. Like I have some that have like way more saturation. I have some that look almost like ghosts. Um, just seeing like even even on that level, you know, plugging things in, and you know that mandarin that I got from you is is about to shed and. That animal's all. Every time that thing sheds, it just gets better and better and better. You know. Yeah. Is anybody doing sunkiss mandarins? I don't think I've seen one. I've not seen one yet. I, I'm, I'm sure it exists. You know, it's, I'm it's, sure it's, it does it's, too. Yeah, it's it not not to think that it hasn't been made. I've just never seen it. I wonder. That's got to be good, right? It's, it's got. I don't see be, how it, gotta, how it could be bad. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what Buff does in that mix. Not necessarily with Sunkiss, but with, with Castanian. Just Buff on Mandarin, right? Yeah. Like, look at the stuff Tony D's doing to get one of those Type 2 Buff Amels mm -hmm. and put that into Castania. And then, and then you know, it takes a couple generations. It's going to take six years, seven years, eight years. But what, what comes out of that? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those morphs, man, that, that just like, kind of like Terrazzo, I feel like it, it just got passed by fairly quickly it wasn't given really enough time to to really see its full potential and i think it's it's just due to that that being recessive and taking longer to actually see the results of it you know it's, that's why the all the incomplete dominant stuff i think is so much more attractive is because you get those those results right away also it's very subtle and, and hatchlings are kind of you put a whole bunch of hatchling castanias on your table they're they're not always going to be the first thing somebody's going to grab because uh, they're, they're not that striking. Kind of like caramel, right? Like caramels, of course, yeah. you can show somebody an adult and be like, bam, it's a yellow snake, right? But caramel hatchlings are kind of not always that striking. They're kind of mm -hmm. they're kind of 
uh, not nearly as beautiful. You got to go through that ontogenic change and, and see what you get. Cassandra's uh, very much that. Very, very much that. Yeah. But even then, though, I mean, even after like first or two, you know, first or second sheds with those, like that color starts to pop and that blushing comes in, and it's just like it's a completely different animal, you know, overnight. And it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel bad because I talk about it so much, but at the same time, like I freaking love that morph. And like just Still as bad. is, it's just one of those things where it's like, it just doesn't get old to me. Like I love looking at it. Same with honey, honey. Oh, anything. I'm so still, good. I'm still all about honey. Um, but man, like I just, I look at those, those castanias that I have, like the group I have, and it's just like every single one I'd love, you know, for a different reason. Yeah. Just can't get enough. <laughs> well, is there anything uh, maybe next year, the year after that you're just really excited to produce for the first time? Alan. So I, I mentioned earlier uh, the scaleless clown. Um, so wait, what is, what is clown? I've I've not heard that terminology. So uh, it's been claimed that it's zigzag or maybe Aztec or Zagtech on top of scaleless, but it's just a really cool looking uh, scaleless. Uh, I'm actually working with Patrick. Uh, we're trying to trace and prove out, is it the same as, as zigzag? Is it allelic to zigzag? Is it at all related to zigzag? Um, oh, that's actually really cool looking. Yeah, which one do you have up? Do you have the AML? Yeah. So that is uh, Harley. Um, that is uh, one of the first ones that Patrick produced. And uh, they are really distinct and really cool. And there's a great variance in patterns and looks to them. Some of them look like they have a, a stripe down the side with mm -hmm. some waves oh. on the stripe. Others look like uh, he has one named Gaboon. It looked like a, a Gaboon Viper with the diamond pattern when it was first born. Wow. Uh, they're just a very striking animal. And it's hard to say what it really is uh, because the when you remove the scales, it's not the pattern. The pattern doesn't transfer underneath mm -hmm. uh, the way it does on the scales. I have a scaleless that I swear it's got five different patterns on it. It looks like Tessera, looks like Motley, it looks like Mask, um, but it's probably none of those. So we are just d taking it nice and slow. We have determined it, it appears to be recessive. All of the numbers uh, are roughly 50% uh, when visual to het is bred. And I'm just excited. Uh, and I have been excited this year and uh, the female reabsorbed twice. Dang. And I was excited last year and the female reabsorbed twice. Uh, so, by now, I have uh, I have a few more girls coming up, and uh, hopefully next year I will produce my my first scaleless clown uh, animals. Is is that does that morph? Excuse me. Does that morph translate over to scaled animals, or has that not yet been bred back into scaled animals yet? 
Or is so, it one of those things that kind of maybe like Pied is only visible when another morph is another recess of is already visual? We're still learning. Uh, according to Patrick, it doesn't show up in the scaled animals, uh, or maybe it's it's just a very small pattern of aberration. We don't have a large number of animals. He's just recalling kind of the offspring from the parents that he's had, and he has a, a scaled het clown adult or two. Uh, and it, it's just really hard to tell. They don't look like uh, there's markers, but we're just taking things slow and trying to figure out what exactly is it. And uh, to me, it's interesting and I'm learning, but I love the look of them. Yeah, it's really that's, cool. Yeah, it looks awesome. That's really something that I'm looking for next year. I did mention earlier the Blood Red Pides, both from the Italian line and the Ultramel pied, Blood Red Pides from the McDonald line. And then, of course, uh, my learning journey with my Microscalus. Those are probably the top three that I'm looking forward to for next year. That's awesome. I, I, I constantly teeter on this value of do I want to do I want to scale this? Do I not want to scale this? Do I maybe want scale this? Do I not? And it's because I'm I'm obsessed with scaleless anneries. I think they're anneries scaleless just is such a damn good looking animal. I'm fully expecting to, to hatch one out not even on purpose. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> fully with the amount of like hats and stuff floating around out there. Like I, I would not be surprised if one day I had stuff hatch and one, one popped out at some point that's going to happen to somebody. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Alan, that's one question we kind of ask everybody. And, and I, I feel like it's been answered throughout the show multiple times. What are your thoughts on scaleless and Palmetto? Uh, what about, we I'll, never, I'll, we never touched on Tessera though. Oh yeah. Te so well, I I do have a palmetto we'll, specific question, but we'll uh, alternate let, the scaleless and palmetto thing. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll hit some tests right here in a second. But on all the palmetto, you're producing a lot of palmettos. <clears throat> you're producing palmetto scaleless. You know, we we know that 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 bug eye is a is a deleterious thing that happens in in that gene uh, compound. It's the leucistic. It's the way the eye, eye eye scales are formed. It's when they're formed in the egg. Do do you see a certain percentage of bug eye or do you find that outcrossing makes a lot of that go away so here's what i've seen um i i spoke earlier about starting with the top of the line animals and i i hand selected with the help of john from travis whistler reptiles i picked out parents that were that had already been outcrossed and brought back in um i still do produce uh bug eyed um, the severity of the bug eye uh, that I'm producing now is very low and my numbers are very low. I produced probably 35 to 40 palmettos this year. I had three that had a, a level of bug eye that, that I would say is more than 5%. That's kind of the, the, the percentage that I use. Um, to determine if it's bug eye or if it's just a natural variance within the animals because a 5% difference in eyes, I, I've seen that outside of the, the palmettos. Um, I have spoken with a lot of people, uh, a lot of different palmetto breeders. It 
appears to happen more in males and it appears to happen more in amels. So an amel male palmetto with perfect eyes is almost a unicorn, not, not quite a, a unicorn, but it is a rarity. Um, so I, I make special note of that. Um, now, a lot of people that I know will feed off their bug eyes to king snakes or whatever. Um, I actually don't unless it's beyond like the 25% threshold. Um, I list them as pet quality. I cut the price in half, which is a model I, I that I took from uh, Travis Whistler. And, uh, and then I give a full education to whoever's buying it. So it's clearly labeled and I put it out there and I'll tell you what, I've never brought one home from a show. Uh, people love the little googly eyes. Uh, these are maybe, maybe the, the first time buyers, maybe the, the novice collectors that want a palmetto and they just think the little cartoon eyes are cute so they can get a palmetto without paying palmetto prices and, uh, and go from there. I think my percentages are lower due to the amount of outcrossing that I've, I've done. I have palmettos now in my collection from five different lines and I've outcrossed all five and I've started to bring them back together. And that's kind of my commitment to making sure that I have the highest quality genetics and genetically sound animals that I can produce. That's... As soon as I get my project animal, it's time to outcross. I start that immediately. That's, the best possible answer I could have ever heard. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Right? Like, that's exactly, I mean, you know, so many people just, that's not the answer they would have given. And that's, that's great. So do you ever do palmetto to palmetto, but making sure it's different lines? I do. I do. Um, I, I've, I've got the flexibility now because I've been doing the palmettos. I've, I've been doing this as a business for three and a half years, but I've had palmettos for close to six now. And, uh, absolutely. I, I have, uh, I have a male classic Palmetto who is at blizzard annery and, uh, he is, uh, he's a superstar. Um, he's got all the genes. I have another completely, as far as you can be unrelated to the original Palmetto, uh, with the exact same genes, uh, that I'm raising up. Uh, completely different bloodline, and uh, he's going to take over some of my palmetto to palmetto breedings, and I will then be able to breed from those different lines. I'll be able to bring them back together somewhere down the line. Okay. And just keep spreading that, that genetic material out so the pool gets bigger and bigger. Every year I make hats, and I hold yeah. back some just so I can breed with a different male, unrelated male or unrelated female down the road. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Great. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so on the other one, we, we talked about Tessera. Do you, do you like Tessera? Do you not like Tessera? Do you, do you question it or, or, or where do you sit with Tessera? So I started not liking Tessera because once it's in your collection, it's in your collection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've come to love it. And here's yeah. why, um, my business is built around customer service, customer satisfaction. 
And when I have the beginning breeders or the first time buyers, maybe I want to breed somewhere down the road. What kind of cool animals can I produce? And I love sharing with them the Christmas morning effect. I have a snow and I want to produce something cool. Great. I have this classic red factor het snow tessera right here. And here's what you're, here's what you're potentially going to get your very first clutch of corn snakes. And you know, there's 32 different possibilities. They're not going to identify red factor right away, but they'll see that some might be a little brighter colors or the, the snow might be a little more pink. They'll see, they'll see a little bit, but Tessera just adds that one more flavor into it being a, a, a dominant gene that it's really exciting for those beginning breeders. The other is my market likes Tessera. They like the, the garter snake checkered stripey appearance, uh, especially on some of the high contrast animals. Fire yeah. Tesseras, uh, are hot looking animals. Tessera's, I, I love Tessera. I, 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 my, my, my first clutch of corns was Tessera. The first corn snake I ever held back was Tessera. Uh, it's, I, for me, I love striped corn snakes. So it's, it was, it was pretty easy. But that, that Christmas morning effect, one of the, one of the clutches I do every year, and, and I've been, it was one of my first, and I never, you know, I've given her a couple of years off, but, uh, is a is a Tessera Motley Ultramel Het Annery to an Annery Het Motley Het Amel, and there's a there are so many different phenotypes you can get out of it. I've had 14 egg clutches that ever all 14 animals were different. Uh, it, it's it's the I have I show those pictures to people and I'm like, look, if you want to breed corn snakes and you want to pair for me and you get this and this, you can have a clutch that looks like this and it's 14 different animals in one picture. And it, that's, that's so cool. It's just, it's, it's super neat. It is. Yeah. I, I, I really like it. I definitely over time have come to appreciate less of it. If that makes sense. Like you can overdo it. Right. Yeah. And, and like, I, I held like back in moderation. Yeah. I've come to, come to like it. I've held back a ton of Tessera and then I stopped and I was like, I, if I only hold back all the Tesseras, cause I think they're the best looking animals from mm-hmm. what I produced those years. I I've sold a lot of that stuff off. Cause I'm like, dude, I'll produce nothing but Tessera. And, and you know, I hate Tessera to Tessera pairings, but it's also kind of funny when you pair Tessera to Tessera and you only get 75% Tessera because that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's a, it's a codom, not a, not a full dominant. Uh, and that's why we don't go Tessera to a normal pattern and get 100% Tesseras. Yeah. There's there, there's a lot of little things like that. I you know what one one gene combination I've it's been getting more popular. I see more people working with it, and I and I kind of question it. Do you do any hypoberry stuff? I do not. I do not uh, have enough in my collection that is of age uh, in the strawberry gene. See, I, I've got a, I've got a male strawberry uh, snow uh, that produced this year uh, to a salmon snow tessera, a- amazing clutch, it, really small babies, which was kind of weird. Maybe it was just the first time male and female. But I was thinking about, it, I was like, man, I could pair him to one of my ghost females that's head amel, 
and and get 100% hypo berries. Uh, and I, I just, you know, I, I kind of noticed, I saw a lot more hypo berries this year than I have ever seen before. I didn't know if you were. It does seem, it does seem to be raising in, in popularity. Um, in my market, however, no one, no one's really working with the strawberry gene as a focus. There may be animals here and there, but I don't see a huge focus on strawberry or hypo berry. Strawberry is a tough one because it's so similar to a lot of things. And when you put it to a lot of other genes, you can't tell. Uh, and hypoberry is kind of the other one that's like that. There's a lot of hypoberries that you can't really tell. Is it hypoberry? Is it hypo? Is it, is it, is it, is it strawberry? Where, where does that line drawn? And, and it, it, that, that can become difficult. I guess it's kind of like ultra, right? Like ultra is a gene that exists. But how many times have you ever seen ultra, you know, visual ultras, right? And I, and I, and I don't. I think Justin just got one. You got a visual ultra annery, right? Yeah. And that's, and it's a badass animal. It's, it's, it's killer. Well, it's an ultra annery tessero. Yeah. I love it, that snake. Like, but it's oh my visual God. ultra, which is, uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's how many people work animal. with visual ultra. And that's, that's kind of the, you know, can we even tell when we have visual ultras? Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of where strawberry falls for me. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to raise my hand. I have a salmon ultramel or salmon ultra annery that until it was an adult and gave me babies, I thought it was a salmon ultramel annery. Yeah. Uh, bred, it w- bred it with the snow and uh, the numbers didn't lie. Everything <laughs> was uh, red factor ultramel annery or, or salmon ultramel annery. Yeah. So uh, that proved him yeah. out as being ultra. It's a, it's a tough one, man. That That's a, uh... You know, it's really cool. That snake that Justin got is striking. You know, when he showed it to me, I was like, holy crap, that's awesome. Uh, it, 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 but at the same time, Connor could have looked at it and been like, man, it almost looks ultra male. But it's, you know, it, it's, it's, hey, when you're buying for good people, when you're buying people that know their genetics, when you're buying for people that know what they're doing, uh, that plays a huge factor in this. You know, people getting into breeding that don't do their homework and are buying from people that are selling, you know, AMLs for $25, buy one, get two free or whatever. Uh, they're probably not going to tell you what the heads are. They, they're probably not going to spend the time of day. Uh, they're, they're, they, they might not even know. So, yeah, yep. that ultra man, that ultra annery though, like that was it's one snake. It was like every time I passed by, it was Wise, uh, Whistler's table. It's like every time I passed by that table, I stopped and looked at that thing because it was just it stood out. So it was just so interesting, like the chaotic tessera pattern that it has. And then it's just got a lot of yellow and stuff on it. It's just. That's a good snake, man. So gorgeous. Yeah, I'll have to get a picture of that from you sometime. Yeah, yeah. I just shed the other day, so I need to get it outside and take a picture again. Man, I wish it was female because I got a male anarchy. It is. Oh, it is female. Ooh, we might have to link up because I have a male. my, My yellowhead male stripe is proven time and time and time again had have ultra. Done. uh well he's had ultra so if you have any well no because you would have ultra because i paired him to a snow and i paired him to a head amel and i only ever got ultra so he's had ultra so if he paired to her you could guaranteed have ultras which is kind of i'm talking about that oddball anery mail that i have from you uh, oh yeah i don't know what that is 
I, I ain't been on about what that corn snake is. That's corn snake. I, I was talking to Tony D about it at Daytona, and I looks he buff. Buff Annery is what he thinks it is because Sarah posted a Buff Annery not that long ago, and I was like, that looks exactly like that weird corn that me and Crystal know what's going on with. So, and so which one of my parents, it, you know. which one of my snakes is Buff? So the only thing I can think is that my male Ultramel Annery or Ultramel Motley Tessera, who's fathered a lot of my clutches because I love that particular phenotype, uh, and he's had Annery, uh, he must be Buff. Because I don't have, I definitely all my Amels, all, all my Anneries, and he came from SMR, uh, mm-hmm. who, who used to do a little bit of work with Buff. He must be Buff, <coughs> and if he is, he doesn't look it. Uh, and that's one. I asked, I showed Tony, and he's like, "Yeah, if there, you know, if, if I picture Buff Annery in my head, that's what it would probably look like." So, and, I've, and, and, and you know what's funny is a lot of the snakes from those clutches. Like half of them come out like that. It's not. It's not all of them. And I've mm-hmm. I've held some back, and they didn't end up getting that color. I had siblings to your snake that I held back multiple of to see which ones were going to look like that because I I've sent some out for my first so my first couple years breeding I, I didn't hold back any of the anneries and and a few of those anneries got that look and I was like oh god well I'm going to hold like three back none of them look like that and then the one that you got just happened to look like couldn't tell it at, at a, when it came out of the egg right yeah. you, there's no way you could tell. Uh, when I sent it to Jake, it just looked like an Annery Tessera. It's Tessera, right? No, that was the female. No, that, that was okay. Okay, yeah, it just looks like a Annery, right, out of the egg. And then you know, paid a couple times, sent it to Jake. It was good. Uh, and now it looks that snake looks insane. Yeah, I got to get some updated pictures of him too. It's all good. That's the problem. That's where I'm at. Is like I have I have to downsize some, but everything I have left currently besides babies this year is like really choice stuff that I don't want to part with because there's so much cool stuff I can do with it in the next two years. Yeah. Sucks. Yep. I just need That's a bigger not... room. That's what I figured out the solution is, is just get more space. No, no, no. You need, you need another room, right? You know what I mean? I'm just... trying to convince Katie to let me knock down Ellie's wall and then just expand into her room and we she can like sleep on the couch or something. Do you park a car in your garage? No. <laughs> My man. Do I have an idea for you? It's been it's it's been on the, the marital negotiation table for a long time. But the issue is you don't is, even is need like, the whole garage. Just all my podcast it. stuff is right here, and that takes about half the garage right now. Oh, and then good? we'd have to enclose the garage. I'd want to put that in like a mini split or something. Yeah. So, That's a great idea, Justin. I want to, but I don't know. Because we also have a ton of crap in here, so it's like, what am I supposed yeah. to do with all that? You know, I I literally have a massive garage with a dedicated gaming area that I was planning on closing in since I built my house six years ago, and I still haven't done it. So, <laughs> if that tells you anything about this, but I I stuff. will say, having a smaller room like I do, it is starting to get very frustrating because I've got a table that's now too big with the. Uh, moving the bio G's in a stack and stuff along one wall. And it's just, I'm, I'm too big to like being six, four and you know, 260 something pounds. Like it's hard to move around in a small room. That's like yeah. floor to ceiling snakes and stuff. And it's, it's, it's been getting frustrating, like really irritating actually as of late. I mean, I would say that, that 
closing off half your garage and moving a lot of your collection out there, maybe even moving some of the, well, you wouldn't want to podcast in the, in the room because you want to smoke cigars and stuff. That, that makes it tough. Or podcast in the backyard. or I don't know. That might not work either. But for me, the answer is going to be uh, closing some area, you know, some, you know, 10 by 10 in my garage just so I can play my Warhammer out there in the AC. My biggest thing is just being able to be out there in the AC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just gotten so damn hot. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously not going to smoke cigars in there with the snakes. Probably a bad idea. Uh, but I can smoke a cigar and then walk into the room and be in the AC and, and, and then have, you know. For me, it's like I want like one wall. If I had one wall, I'm good. And, and the only thing I want to do, I have everything in cages big enough. I want to be able to move uh, pines and stuff to FB90s. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got to get my bigger snakes into bigger enclosures. They, they, they deserve it. They, they, they're big. You know, hell, my male northern pine is easily six and a half foot if not over that it feels like he's growing every day yeah. and what i have him in is not it's not adequate i would i would never tell anybody to do what i'm doing and, and, and that sucks to say so hopefully that's why i'm gonna buy like two levels or three levels of ars fb90s just because like i gotta put them in something mm-hmm. yeah uh well was there anything else we were wanting to touch upon Man, Alan, so so excited that you came on. Thank you so much for talking with us. You know, you're you're, you're studious and in, in your your methodology and your 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 well spoken. You know, you're one of the first people we talked about having on, and I'm glad that you were finally able to make it. I'm happy to come on. Thank you guys for for having me. Uh, it's been uh, been a lot of fun, and uh, always chatting about snakes is uh, is a good time. So, thank you so oh, yeah. much. If people want to get in touch as far as like availability and, and things like that, or if they had any questions, where where's the best place for them to do that? Um, so I'm on Facebook, Instagram under Rock Creek Corns. And uh, you can always uh, look me up on Morph Market or send me an email at rockcreekcorns at gmail.com. There you go. Well, this episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out, Facebook, Instagram. Use the code THN at checkout if you end up buying a rack or cage or shave a little bit off the top. Help you out a little bit. Uh, SilentHoodReptiles.com. Also follow JT and Mindy uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I need to check and see if they've updated that for sale page yet because, I, I mean, I don't need to go on there and I don't need to be looking at it, but I gotta because who knows... I feel like there's a ton of stuff JT produced that we also don't know he produced. Like I feel like <laughs> he's only given us a very small smidge of like what he's actually popped out so far. So uh, check that out. And then fullviesapparel.com, new Cornstar shirts available now. Use code THN at checkout as well. Get 15% off, uh, which I think usually equates to like free shipping more or less. So uh, if not a little more than that. But uh, thank you all. We will be back Monday for Snakes and Stogies. Um... As far as I know, I don't think there's anything going on. I know we got a holidays, couple, right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't I'm so on either. call until the 25th, so I don't know. I know that we have a couple guests, a couple more guests lined up, hopefully before the end of the year for Corn Stars. Uh, mm-hmm. Been reaching out to them, talk to them. So hopefully get at least, man, I'd love to see three more shows, if not four more shows before the yeah. end of the year. Yeah, That'd be cool. We'll make it happen. Uh, we appreciate it. Everybody have a good evening. We'll see you later. Bye.